not about tearing a man down. Men have Mm -hmm. a beautiful place, but it's about building women up to who they really are. They are the fountain of life. And that's my goal. I want to spend the rest of my life teaching women and showing women how precious they are and how to value that. Midlife Ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. So in this episode, Trinity shares with us how she spent 10 years of her life bound to an extremely religious Christian cult in which she was brainwashed, manipulated, and forced to adhere to the restrictive practice and policies like filling out a form to go on vacation and visit your family. And she also made other sacrifices for her community in order to reach quote unquote, salvation in the afterlife. I just, I can't imagine what that must have been like. Actually, you know, maybe I can't imagine it because in some respects, I feel like I was bound to these same norms when living in a marriage to a narcissistic alcoholic. And interestingly enough, I'm really confident that a lot of women still willingly sacrifice our sense of self in different ways to succumb to the programming, if you will, of these societal norms. And then in that space, we lose sight of our self with a capital S. And, you know, we we honestly do it for the greater good or what we believe to be the greater good for our families, for our children, and, you know, what we perceive to be our own well-being. In return, there is great reward. But, you know, I often think about what is lost in the process. And the reality is that once you're part of this community and you depend on it for shelter and love, it's really hard to extract yourself and just walk away. But that's exactly what our courageous guest today, Vera Larie, did. She also was born into an extreme polygamous cult in Mexico to her mother, who was the third wife of her father and was one of 57 children. Vera recently released her book, Dad Scares Me, God Scares Me, My Journey from a Polygamous Cult to Freedom, and shares with us today her gripping account of growing up in this cult to her escape and how she was able to build a successful life from literally nothing, no education, no support, no family, and how hard that was. Vera shares with us her struggles and triumphs as she sought to break free from the oppressive control of her father, husband, and their polygamist God. Her story is one of hope resilience, and the indomitable human spirit. She went on to build a successful multi-million dollar business, mind you, and pursue her passions for psychology, health, and wellness. Vera is now the founder of Pure V Organics, which is a supplement company for women and a mentor to individuals looking to break free from their own mental bondage and achieve the self-love and confidence she herself was able to do. And if you're also out there and you struggle, just like so many of us at this age and stage in life to find your own identity, maybe you have similarly given over yourself to everyone else. We are here to remind you of your worth and your strength. We're here to remind you that you're not alone. We're here as your sisters, your friends, your tribe, here to lift you up and give you the support you need. Please join our Facebook community and leave us a review. We need your help to continue to bring this support and wisdom to other women just like you. And now, without further ado, 
the tremendous story of the survival of Vera Lurie. Vera, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to do this. Oh, we're so excited. So let me tell you why I'm so excited that you're here. Um, Little known fact, ah, the more that I share about my life, the crazier and crazier (laughs) all of you out there are going to continue to think that I am. So let us Girl, we all got our own crazy. We all got our own crazy. Yes, our own little versions. (laughs) So, you know, Vera, in our opening, we talked about what you are going to be sharing with us and your childhood in this polygamous cult. Well, I almost don't want to say the words, but little known fact, I too had to escape from a cult when I was um, post-college. So I got really involved in this Christian ministry. And I say Christian in air quotes, because there's so much now looking back that just was not aligned with the word of God. And like, Jesus, Jesus was not all up in it. Let me tell you that. And so, um, it was for me, one of these just major shaping events because this church controlled every single aspect of my life from my friendships to who I could date or not date. Most of the time it was not date. And y'all know me, that was a struggle Um, (laughs) to what kind of music I could listen to, what I could or could not watch on TV. We had to fill out vacation request forms to go visit our families. Oh my! It was that controlling. And there are so many things that I found out about years later that just, um, just confirmed to me how much of a cult I actually was involved in, but really with like these great intentions coming Mm. from the best place of like, I wanted to know God. I was young. I was like down for Jesus. Like, let's do this. And, and this church prayed on that and prayed Mm. on the, um, the naivety, but also like young people who are in their formative years that were just gung ho about wanting to know the Lord and love the Lord and, be around other people that were like that. And they sucked us in and chewed us up and spit us out. And, you know, I consider myself one of the lucky ones because I actually escaped before things went absolutely crazy. And, um, that the real crux of it for me was when I, started to realize, you know, a lot of things in here just don't line up with the word of God. A lot of things are off and, and, and I feel weird about it. So I had called the pastor's wife and I was like, uh, I need you to explain this policy for me <laughs> one more time. Uh, now let's go back to the dating thing. I'm talking about the, can you show me the scriptures? And she's like, well, I can't show you the exact verbatim scriptures, but that's our policy. I mean, that's what our, our, one of our foundational principles. I was like, Mm. that's working for me anymore. And we were back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until she snapped and said, if I have to stay here and put up with him talking about her husband, then do you. And I went, Oh Hmm. no, I don't. don't. How long did that last? That was 10 years of my life. Wow. 10 years of my life. And I escaped with the help of a girlfriend's truck and a really cute boy who helped move me out of the house <laughs> that I lived in and escaped when everybody else was out of town. And, um, you know, it's interesting though, cause there are still after effects of this today. There are still after effects huh. in my, my heart that I feel that pull on me today in this space. And so for that reason, Vera, I'm so excited to hear your story yeah. and understand um, the journey that you went through, because I feel like for me, this is going to be, you know, a space where there will be some places for me that get unlocked. Right. So, and with you talking about, you're still affected by certain pieces of that remind me to share something with you uh, that I use to help, um, to shift that so that it no longer is a detriment to you. Oh life, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. But unlike you, I, I wasn't brainwashed into it. I was actually born into it. Mm. I'm, I'm one of 57 
siblings. So there's 56 That's brothers and sisters. And I'm child number 21. Ooh, damn. Yes. And my mom was the third wife of my father's 11 wives. And so, yeah, going through the cult, the only thing that I had was this feeling in my heart that that something wasn't right. I didn't know anything different because I had been born into it. Yeah. So now what was the religion? It was just like a fundamental Mormon religion. Mm. Um, Y'all were in Utah? Well, we ended up in Mexico. So obviously way before I was born. So Mitt Romney's grandfather, I believe, was a polygamist and mm-hmm. he he lived in the same community that my grandfather lived in. Oh, wow. So what happened is the Mormon church in Utah started clamping down on these polygamists. And so just a, a sect of them escaped uh, away from, you know, they didn't want to be persecuted anymore for having these young 14, 15, 16 year old wives. So they well, fled to Mexico. Been. And they started a community in Mexico. So I actually was raised there. So tell us a little bit about how your, what your life was like under those circumstances, Vera. Well, my, my dad had obviously so many kids and so many wives that we lived a very, very humble life. Barely had, you know, barely could feed us all. Um, so super humble that way. And then I learned to fear God because I was taught a lot of times through unspoken words, just the vibration, even in the home along with the, with the words, but like the feeling was, or the belief or the brainwashing for me was that I was a woman. And so I was a second class citizen and I was put on this earth to be subservient to to a man, which a lot of women have gone through that, that haven't lived polygamy. But then, you know, my father used to say that if God's kingdom were established, the women would lay the petticoats down in the mud puddles for the men. And, and if God's kingdom were established, you know, the women would be the ones getting the doors for the men, you know, that type of stuff. Mm. I'm reflecting on the book, The Handmaid's Tale. This is straight out of like... (laughs) Right. <laughs> These, I just can't even believe that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So then when my, my half sister got killed in a car accident and left three, three little children. And mm-hmm. then my mother had a dream, which those are like revelations to them uh-huh. that I was supposed to marry my brother-in-law. So Ooh, Lord have mercy. How old were you? I was 16. He was 30. Mm. And I was a very, very, very innocent 16 year old. I mean, I didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. (laughs) Super innocent. And Um, so mom, mom just comes to you and tells you this. So I had another sister with a husband and that husband was hitting on me, like trying to like, see if he could marry me or court me and I would be his third wife as well. But mom really didn't want me involved with him at all. And so she just had this dream and she told me about it. And I was in love with a young boy that was my age that I had liked Mm -hmm. since I was 11. And, uh, (laughs) but I really loved my sister and I loved my sister's orphan kids. And, uh, I just felt like, you know, I don't, I felt a duty. Yes. And I'm kind of, uh, had a lot of empathy and mm. so I just, I felt sorry for them and I wanted to do the right thing with my sister's children. So mm. it's kind of was like that and the brainwashing from my mom and my father, obviously. And so oh. I married him, but I never, I was scared of him. Like I was never in love with him. Jesus, I was 16 years old. Like, right. right. Wow. Yeah. And then I was taught that I, I was not going to be allowed into heaven. I mean, as a child that, you know, you, that's what you want. You're afraid of hell and the devil. And, and I, I think I had, you know, I just had a good heart and I wanted to do the right thing. And so I was in that marriage for 14 years and I was trying so hard to just do the right thing. And like, you know, I wanted to make it to heaven. I wanted to make God proud of me. I wanted to prove that just because I'm a girl or a woman, I still, I'm valuable, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I kept trying. I kept trying. But like I said, all I had was this knowing inside my heart that something was wrong. I didn't know what to relate it to because I didn't have any experience. Yeah. So, so when you were married, did you all still live in the same, like on the same property or in the same, like, I don't know if it was a commune or, or, or what, or, or were you off living separate from the rest of your family at this point with your husband and your sister's children or your stepchildren? So my mother had been living in the Southern part of Mexico. She had moved from the Northern part of Mexico to the Southern part of Mexico. Cause they believed that the Lord was going to send a Cause this cult that I belonged to, there had been a murder so there had been several murders. So my ex-husband's uncle had murdered the prophet. So Ooh, my, yeah, that sounds so, that serious business. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't just murder the neighbor. No, right? he, he murdered the prophet. And Dang. then he, he did several, actually a lot of murders, oh gosh, but sounds like the mafia. Yeah. A little bit of that kind of. So my dad had moved to the southern part of Mexico, took my mom there and me, you know, because he thought that that's where the next prophet was going to show oh. up. So then when I got married off to, to the father of my children, I went back to the northern part of Mexico. Got so, it. but they still had all the same principles and the same beliefs and whatnot. So, yeah. so how did you break free from all of this? And And you said you had this knowing what was the catalyst for you to find a new life? Like I said, I had this, I had this knowing. And then when my daughter was born, she was so precious and just so, I just loved her so much. It started kind of showing me that there's no way that just because she's a girl, she's worth less. Like I started to kind of think that God loved me like the way that I would love this little girl. And then I had picked up a book of Marianne Williamson, a return to love mm. a garage sale. And uh, there was just some parts in that book that just started showing me that, that I was valuable and that God loved me. Like that was the first time I ever remember. I ever, ever thought that I was loved. Like literally I was reading right. that. Book and I'm like, God loves me. Like me. You. Are you? So I started kind of just, I I gave up trying to please my husband and please God. I just didn't, I just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I just can't do this anymore. And just started reading and I was just drinking up knowledge. Like, oh, I was, I was so curious to know. And so I think the shift started happening inside my heart and my head before the actual physicality of escaping, uh, presented yeah. And how many children do you have? A three. Ch- I had three children. I took in a young girl from Ethiopia once I came here to Wisconsin, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but from in the cult, I had three children and then and I so, helped raise my sister's three children. Right. So you have your, your bonus babies there. I, I'm curious, how did thinking about what all of your children were growing up under and their belief system. How did that also play into your decision to break free? Yeah. I wanted to show them a different life, especially my daughter. I didn't want my daughter to end up married to some old 50 year old or something, you know, or a cousin or something. And when I, when I chose to leave, to be honest with you, I was honoring this feeling in my heart. I didn't know where it was going to lead me to. Mm -hmm. I just knew that, that I was going to honor it. And I trusted that whatever, however things worked out, whatever needed to work out, that I was just going to go for this and just do it. And honestly, I have never, ever, ever looked back. Like on that decision, I have never thought did I do the wrong? I never questioned at all. Even if things were hard, you know, I, I made my way. I was like, I'm figuring this out, you know, and stuck to that. So I love that tenacity. So what did that day look like? What was the leaving? What was that experience? And did the children come with you? Did they stay behind? Tell us a little bit about that experience. So yes, the children came with me. So I tell a lot of people that 
it's not like I was tied up with ropes and chains and they, and they kept me there physically, you know, that's not how it works. The way that it happens is, is through brainwashing, through fear, manipulation, making you feel shame, making you feel guilt, you know, that you're unworthy, that you can't make it on your own, that type of thing. So my biggest fear really inside my heart was obviously to tell my husband that I wanted out, but to face my father, Mm. that was like so scary to me. And, and what was really, really hard is that I loved a lot of my family members. Like I loved my brothers and sisters and my cousins and, you know, and, and it was so hard knowing that I was going to be losing all of them. I was even going to be losing my, my sister's children that I helped raise because they, that was, that was the hardest that, that was just the hardest thing, but I chose me mm-hmm. not because of selfishness, but because I was going to die if I didn't stand up and listen and honor my heart, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of, a lot of women, we have that problem a lot. I mean, I see women all the time and, but they just, it's not something that's so exaggerated, like polygamy that actually shakes them so that they can see it. It's just subtle things. It's subtle Things that we get brainwashed into as women that we're supposed to be like this, or we have to be like that, or this is just the way it is. And we buy into it. And the truth is, is that we're brainwashed and then we're unhappy and we're unfulfilled and we're unsatisfied. And we don't know why we think we blame it on all kinds of other things, (laughs) but truthfully, it's because we don't realize that we're not being true to ourselves. So Yeah. You know, it's funny because in my experience as well, when I left the church that I was in, that was one of the things, like if you would leave, like nobody could have contact with you anymore. Nobody could be your friend. And you were told that anyone who left was leaving out from under God's covering and was going to be under the devil's covering. So people would like shun you because they're like, Ooh, can't be around you. You're under the devil's covering. It's going to be, you know, terrible things are going to happen. So it's such a control tactic. And even with you, it's your, you know, all of your family involved too. It's like, and they make you feel like, and really, and truly you leave there, you leave alone. You are not, you know, walking into community that is going to be supportive and helpful. So I'm curious, like as part of this shift, did you find individuals who could support you in making this transition um, from being in this cult to living a new life where you didn't step out into a place where you didn't have community or were all alone? Right. Well, so a couple of years before I had left, I had kind of been, when I say help, I mean like with the mindset and with like the courage and the support um, I had helped um, an older sister, her mm-hmm. husband had five wives. And so we kind of like, we supported each other. She got out first. And then I did. She was very supportive. She, she was my best friend. She still is like, she was oh. my older sister to my, my mom's um daughter. And mm-hmm. her and I just, wow, I love that girl so much. Like I'm so thankful that she obviously she didn't live in the same community as me you know the same town as me but we um we really really supported each other and and to this day we still do you know (laughs) so I'm very grateful for that and then I when I first left I I didn't have an education you know I was having babies when I was a teenager and I didn't have an education I I was very intelligent and very smart. And I had a heart just full of like, I'm going to make this work. You know, I'm going to figure this out. And I started the cleaning business. I tried to get a job at at quite a few places, but I had never worked before. So I had no work history. So no one would hire me. It wasn't like right now where they need workers everywhere. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So I started my, my cleaning business and, and a lot of my the first customers that I had, they were like my friends too. Like they didn't know, but like they, you know, I felt so much love and support from them. And like, that was a beautiful thing, you know, to have that. Obviously, as I grew the business, now we're a multi-million dollar business that 
my kids are all part of too. But in the beginning, that was, yeah, I often, I often think I wish I could just go back to all of those houses from all of those people and like go and just tell them how much they helped me without knowing that. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That just took a lot of grit and determination. So I'm sitting here listening to you and just the idea of leaving and in the brainwashing and the fear and the manipulation and the shame and the guilt that you are, you know, that, that you've shared that you were experiencing in that circumstance. I think a lot of women in general, you pointed out, experience similar fear, manipulation, brainwashing, and they feel stuck in yeah. these relationships and they continue to propagate that relationship and, and, and can never leave. So I'm curious to know in your own opinion, what was it that, what did it take to free yourself from this mental or emotional bondage that you felt in that circumstance and really strike out on your own. And what did it take to keep going in that Mm. circumstance? This is what I think the problem is, is that we're comfortable. It's just enough to keep us, you know, somewhat comfortable. And so then we, we end up putting up with not being able to actually like say, okay, this is what I want. And like, I'm going to do this. Because we're, we're just, we're not too miserable, you know, (laughs) we're just, we're just coasting. Like, so I think that's a big, a big part of it. I think sometimes as women, we don't even know what it is. Sometimes we're just living a life of quiet desperation and we don't, we, we don't even know. So I would suggest, or I would say to anybody that's listening to this is to like, get curious, like be curious about these thoughts that you have, or this, these feelings that you have, if you feel like you're, you, you're not supported or you feel unimportant or undervalued. A lot of times, you know, as women, we, we, we don't feel valued or we feel insignificant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to actually, to question and start asking questions just to yourself. It doesn't, you don't have to make this big, huge decision in the moment, but at least question things. And obviously I think too, for some women, it's just, they're, they're comfortable. So, so they just, they just live that they live a life of, like I said, of just mediocrity because they're comfortable and, and, oh, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. So So maybe, I don't think, I don't think I missed it, but maybe I did. Like, can you take us back to that fateful day when you actually escaped and maybe your escape wasn't as dramatic as I'm making it? Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us what happened when you left. How did you get out? What, what took place? So, like I said, it was not that I was tied up or in chains. It was the mental Mm -hmm. So mental chains. Yeah. Yes. So that was the hardest part for me. That was the hardest part. So mm-hmm. what had happened was these three children of my sisters that I helped raise one by one, they got married and left home. Right. So the youngest, yeah. those two girls and a boy, the youngest one was now engaged, was getting married, whatever. So one, I was, I was in my kitchen, I was bending down under the cupboard, putting away like a bowl underneath the counter. Mm-hmm. When um, one of my husband's daughters from his other wife walked through the door, I think she came to act, to get some sugar. So I can't remember, but she walked through the door and she said, she said, she's like, Aunt Vera, did you, did you hear that sister is getting married? And I was bending down to put that bowl away. And then as soon as I stood up, cause I hadn't heard that. And as soon as I stood up, I, this peaceful feeling Mm. just came over me. I felt like a, like a bird was released Mm. and flew, you know, flew. And I just knew in that moment, I'm free to go. Like Mm -hmm. I just knew it, but I didn't want to ruin her beautiful day. So I waited for the three months for her wedding. And then the day after her wedding, I, this was like all building up inside my head. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, ah, you know, scared to death. And then it just, it, it happened after the wedding. I then husband Samuel was having a medical procedure, whatever. Anyways, I just wasn't talking to him like how I 
I hadn't mm-hmm. been talking to him much in the last few months or whatever. And so he started the conversation and he actually said, you, sometimes I just get the feeling that you want a fucking divorce. That's word for word. Mm. And you're like, very, very well said, sir. Very And so to me, it was a huge, that was like, uh, you know, it was a huge yeah. deal. Yeah. Cause we, I never t- ever raise my voice to him or dare swear at him at, or call never. And so I just said, as a matter of fact, I do. And Woo. And then that was, he was, you know, that's that started the whole thing. And then of yeah. course he, he went and got my father. He went and told everyone in the family, because that's what I was scared of. This whole battle was yeah. going on inside my head and my heart. I was so mm-hmm. scared, sure. but that's kind of how that went down. So a lot of the family had come down to the wedding, to, to this wedding. Mm-hmm. So I hitched a ride up to Minnesota with somebody that had come down for the wedding with a family member had come down for the wedding. So my, my ex-husband, Samuel, I don't think he really thought that it was permanent. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but that's kind of how I had to play it. Otherwise I wouldn't have been able to, to leave. So, yeah. And in that, in that religion, you have to give, so their laws is that if a, if a couple is struggling, they have to take six months before they can actually get divorced mm-hmm. or be done because I wasn't married to him legally. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're not married to more than one wife legally by the law of the land. You just mm-hmm. have the church you're married. So I guess in his mind, he thought he had six months to hmm. figure it out. Oh, That's what I'm gathering. <laughs> but for and me, it was just like, Oh, so you are out like a scout on a new route. Like, I'm not coming back, Jack. (laughs) No, I was out. And like I said, every manipulating. Oh, for sure. Every, I mean, every family member they could get to come and get, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're weak. You're just weak. You're like that little Bambi that can barely stand, you know, whatever you just, I just do it. And um, it was just really, really hard. But boy, I stuck to my grounds because I just, I just knew that it was right for me. And I was going to listen to this voice. I had spent 30 years of my life, not honoring this little girl Mm -hmm. inside my heart. And I, I kept in my mind, I'm like, Nope, I'm listening. And obviously there was an incident that happened after I told him I wanted to leave. Uh, I hate even talking about this, but, um, so all during our marriage, I never made love to him ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever. He just used my body. Yeah. Yeah. So when I told him the day that I told him I was leaving, he was supposed to be spending the night with the other wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he got permission from her to come stay at my house an, an extra night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which I didn't really expect him to. And to make a long story short, he, he forced himself on me. I, Ugh. in the past, I, I would use like physical cues to like, let him know that I didn't want to, but mm-hmm. this time it wasn't only physical cues. It was like, I don't want to like, Oh, wow. And he, he took me anyways. And that was, (sighs) see, this is the thing that I was talking about earlier. Well, that was a terrible experience. Right. But it was, it was the best, one of the one, the fire, best things that ever happened to me because that I kept going back to that every time, you know, I would question if I was going to be okay. And if the future yeah. of my kids is okay, all of that. And I would go back to that. And I would remember, this is why you're leaving. Cause you don't matter in this marriage. You have no voice. <sighs> you don't matter. And that gave me strength. And to this day, honestly, it's been 20 years and mm-hmm. I never questioned whether I made a mistake or did the wrong thing. Yeah. Wow. Kudos to you. So much courage. So much courage. Yeah. You know, I think that I hear echoes of other women's story and your story. Trinity, we didn't give you this disclaimer before we started, but if you haven't noticed, I'll be surprised. (laughs) But I feel like I hear the echoes of so many women's stories. Something that you said you had a voice inside your head. You knew that you weren't being treated fairly or well or right or in the way that you deserved. And, you know, 
there was so much shame and fear and manipulation that ensued leading up to, and even after you made this choice to leave and that last moment in which your now ex-husband really raped you was his asserting his authority and power and just again, inserting the shame. And I think that there are so many women that have that experience and they, they can't leave or they don't listen to the voice in their heads. And I, I think my question is, why do you think that is? Why do you think women allow themselves to continue to be treated in this way? What if the voice, they have a voice in their head that's telling them they need to leave. It seems like there's also another voice. Like I pictured this little angel and devil sitting on your shoulders, right? Telling you one voice is telling you you need to leave. And the other is saying you can't. And I just, I would love to know what your perspective is on why women don't take more of these chances and, and make the opportunity to escape when they know they're not being treated well or fairly. I think it's fear. Yeah. I, I think it's fear. And, um, what I would, what I would recommend you do anytime that we're facing anything that, that, that makes us afraid, the best way to get over a fear is to push through it. Right. And, and, and let me say this to all the women that are listening, if you're feeling that way and fear is what's keeping you there, I promise you that if you find the courage to push through that fear, it'll put you on a trajectory that you never could expect. And sometimes it's hard for us to push through that fear. So what I like to tell people to do is sit with the fear and picture it. Like just imagine, okay, whatever the worst thing that you can imagine, oh, I won't be able to support myself or, you know, I need his finances or whatever it is. I won't be able to live without him. I don't know these things that say to ourselves, the fear that we have sit with the fear, imagine inside your head. Okay. Imagine that happened. Okay. You left and you're, you know, you're afraid that you can't live without him or you, you financially feel like you can't do it. Look at the fear and then pull out a piece of paper and a pen. And this might be a little bit hard, but you can do it. List 25 to 30 benefits that'll come from you facing your fear. Like for, mm-hmm. so just to give you an example, I was so afraid of my father and and my husband and not knowing how I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. I'm telling you, I had no idea how I would feed my kids. I didn't. I've never had a damn job in my life. I worked really super hard, but I, right. I I didn't know how. That was I was petrified. But if I sat there and I. And I faced that fear. And then I thought of all of the the benefits that would come from it. I would be more courageous, you know, that I would be more understanding. I could be, you know, like make a list of all the benefits, even if you can't see it. Like to me, I can see it now. Like I see the benefits of that. Oh my goodness. Like look at all the benefits that came from it. But sometimes it just takes us shifting the way that we're perceiving something that we feel stuck. But if you open up, if you open up the neural pathways and you see a a different way of looking at it, well, I could benefit this way and this way, your brain goes to work to try to find those benefits. And you can find benefits in facing your fears. Like you take your biggest fear and then sit down and write 25 to 30, 35 benefits. And if it's hard, just sit there for a minute. It'll come to you. Don't just run away from the exercise, sit with it. And you will see, you will think of things that you never even thought, well, you know, like I might feel more positive towards uh, other women that are going through that. I might open up myself a career in this. There's so many benefits that we're not seeing because we're so paralyzed by the fear. And that doesn't mean that that it's going to be easy. That doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that the fear. But it just, it transmutes the fear and it it turns it into something that can help us grow and be better. Yeah. Yeah. Takes its power away. It takes Mm. its power away. Exactly. So on that, on that note, what you were talking about before, when you said that there's little pieces of, you know, 
I've been gone for 20 years and there's still little things, you know, that come up for me. I did this exercise with, with that. So try to think about three of the most painful experiences that you had when you were in the cult Mm. and find them. You know, if you close your eyes and you think about it three and write them out and then write out how you felt, like what emotions were you feeling in the moment? So I'll give you an example of like mine. So for me, I remembered being starving, you know, and wanting to eat a banana, but mom couldn't let me eat the banana because heaven forbid, there's all these little babies and these little kids and they need, they couldn't chew, you know, beans, you know, so so she made me like scoop the banana and a spoon and feed it to my little baby brothers. And I, and she, you know, told me I couldn't have any. So the feeling that I got, and that's just a little silly experience, but it left this pain in my heart where I felt like it made me feel like I was insignificant, unimportant, mm. you know, and that I, and that I, I was, I had no value. Mm. So I, when I thought about that memory, then what I did is I did the same exercise. I tried to write out 25 to 30 benefits of having had that experience. So wow. Taught me how to be more compassionate. It taught me how to care about others. You know, it taught me how to appreciate. Like I thought of all of the benefits that came from that, and all of a sudden it trans it transmutes that energy. Mm. So that's something that I I use all the time, and that I recommend my clients use. And what ends up happening is that instead of you staying stuck in that feeling of like me, for me to stay stuck in that feeling of unimportance and insignificance, because you know, that our life experiences that we're having is, is happening, coming from the, how we're feeling, right? Yeah. Why, if I deep, deep down inside feel insignificant and unimportant, I'm going to be creating my life from that place of feeling insignificant and unimportant. So by doing this type of work, it shifts that energy. And now you can see what a blessing it was, mm. even mm. though it was painful, but it, it brought you a beautiful gift. I love that. I will definitely try that. There are, um, you know, several things that are always like just little, little ticks for me. Um, so yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Give it a try. I'm curious, Vera, as well. I'm um, you've gone on and you said you, you started a house cleaning company and you've gone on actually to build a multi-million dollar health company called Pure V Organics. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that journey and what did it take? What are some of the lessons that you can share with our audience that you've carried with you out of this experience that you feel have helped to contribute to your current day success? So I, so my company, Pure V Organics, it's a, like, like you said, it's a supplement company, but my biggest mission with that is, is to help women love themselves more, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we have our trademark, which is a little self-love in every bottle, because Mm -hmm. we really do believe that mental health starts with, you know, your physical health. And, and then if you feel good mentally, then you, you, you just do more things like you, you, you'll take more chances. You'll take more risks. You'll, you just will do a lot more if you're feeling good mentally. So that's my biggest goal behind that is to reach as many women as I can to help them love themselves more. And so I think what I was just talking to you about, heck, this was, I don't know, quite many years ago that I realized that, that my you know how they say that your message becomes your mess becomes your message. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. So for me growing up in that cult, being that, being one of that many children and then putting, being placed in this marriage to, you know, a man that I, I had no, I mean, Jesus, Mm. he was my brother-in-law, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, So I kept perpetuating that, that belief that I was unimportant and insignificant. Right. So from there, the, my, my passion was born. And my passion is that because I felt this when I was younger, I don't want other women to continue to feel that. Therefore I want to show them and teach them how to overcome that. So in that, that's kind of how 
that whole thing tied together into Pure V Organics and the reason why I'm so passionate about it. And I, it just, it lights me up. <laughs> I just think women, we're just so precious. We're, yeah. we're so precious. And I'm not, it's not, I'm not into like this women's lib or not. Men have a beautiful place. Men have yeah. a beautiful place and we wouldn't be here had, if it weren't for men. So it's not about tearing a man down. But it's about building women up to to who they really are. They are the fountain of life. Mm -hmm. We are so precious. And that's my goal. Like I want to spend the rest of my life teaching women and showing women how precious they are and how to value that. And don't allow society and, and, you know, whatever fads are going on or just because this is trending on TikTok or whatever for us to like devalue who we are as women because we're so precious so yeah (laughs) man right oh my gosh i love that thank you so much i can clearly see the passion that you have for helping women live their best life if you had one tip that you wanted to leave our listener with in terms of what they can do to transform their life or to you know embark on something difficult or to step outside of their comfort zone or do something new because you've, you've picked up your entire life and started all over again with nothing. And I think women hit this roadblock in midlife. We go through this, what we call the proverbial midlife crisis, and we feel stuck and we feel like there's nothing more for us. And you've proven that there's so much life beyond these sticking points. So What's one tip that you can leave our listener with on how to get beyond their sticking points or how to really vision a future for themselves in which they lean into this space of self-love? Well, the first thing is just the first thing I would say is to be curious. Obviously, there's 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 some deeper things that I would like to say as far as like surrender goes, only because we think that we are, are living life, you know, but life really is living us, and, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so I think if you, you know, just getting curious because sometimes, like I said, we get stuck in our thing and we, we don't even imagine that there could be anything different, but trusting is also a big one. Like tr- trusting that everything is always working out for your highest good. And you wouldn't even be having these types of questions or these types of feelings if it wasn't the stuff is trying to shift and trying to change. Mm, So I would say be curious and then, and then trust, like if that curiosity makes you feel some type of inspiration or whatever, trust it and just do it. We've, we've lived already 50 years or however, (laughs) what's there to do, you know, just, you know, (laughs) But that would be my, my one thing is get That's curious. That's awesome. Yeah. And I have a tip, everyone. You yeah. should definitely go out there and check out Vera's book. Dad yeah. scares me. God scares me. My journey from polygamous cult to freedom. So you can hear the full story. Aww. Yes. We're proud of I'm you, mama. To get it. I, we are both proud of you. Is the book yeah. on audible? I'm an audible girl. It's not on Audible yet because I want to use my voice to do it. And I just haven't had the time. I love that. Someone else to do it. So, but it's going to get on Audible. It's just not yet. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to read it, honestly. Oh, I look forward. I got to go get the book right away. It's been a fascinating conversation, Vera. And if our audience and our listener wanted to find you, where could they find you? They can find me at uh, purevorganics.com. That's the supplement company. You can read all about us there. But then also, if you check out veralurie.com, there'll be links on there to Pure V Organics too. And then talking about the books and, and just everything. You can find it all on the website. Instagram, Wonderful. also Vera Lurie, Pure V Organics, uh, Facebook, TikTok, all those. Everywhere. She's everywhere, yeah. y'all. She broke out of the cult and went everywhere. (laughs) She's viral. (laughs) I love it. Well, we'll make sure all the information is linked in our show notes. And just want to thank you so much for the incredible conversation, Vera. Vera, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. This was wonderful. Hopefully we can keep in touch. Yes, we would love love to. Thank you. 
Vera, your story is just simply unbelievable. I can't believe the courage that you had to do what you knew in your heart was right and do that in defiance of what everyone else around you believed to be the right thing. And you did so with grace and courage and look how successful you've been. I think so many of us women can look to you for inspiration because we have a hard time pursuing what we want and need in this life because we're just simply too afraid to step out of our comfort zones and do what we know is the right thing. And you did that so courageously. I learned so much from you in this episode, and I just want to quickly recap some of those lessons learned. Number one, listen to and honor what your heart is telling you. It may not be easy, but girl, you are freaking worth it. Two, women remain entrapped in a relationship they're no longer happy with, in a life that feels inauthentic, in a job that has no meaning because they're just comfortable enough. Being comfortable outweighs the fear of the unknown. So we, and I include myself, accept our current state as quote unquote the norm, even despite the impact that this has on our spirit. Three, in these moments of quiet desperation, start to get curious and question what life could be like. Trust, trust my friend, that life is working out for your highest good. Four, in order to get to the other side of fear, you have to push through the fear. And in order to do this, you have to sit with the fear. You have to feel that emotion. You have to imagine the fear in your head and then pull out a piece of paper and list on that piece of paper 20 benefits that will come with you facing your fear. And five, in turn, you can equally reflect on the most negative and difficult experiences you've had in your life and also pull out that piece of paper and list 20 benefits that you have gained by having had that experience. This exercise will help you move beyond your own inner narrative about your unworthiness and it will help you to feel empowered. And girl, if Vera can do it, if we can do it, you too can escape the purgatory of the mundane to borrow the words of Lisa Bilyeu. You too can pursue your dreams and passions even if it's scary as fuck. And you too can live the life you've always dreamed. And you don't have to do it alone. We're here to love and support and hold you up. If you joined our Facebook group, we are here for you. We're building a community around women who are just like you, striving to live their best life. And we want to do that hand in hand, arm in arm. And we want to show up for you every single week here on this podcast to share with you new wisdom that will get you to the other side of your fear. So we'll see you right back here next week in the middle.